Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walton. Like all great experiments in American history, the 3 and D Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the 3 and D Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eaney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren. Here we go. Thank you, Michael. All right, guys, we have made it to the grand finale. The NBA Finals is here. And down the stretch they come. <laughs> we are at the stretch. It is the two teams we knew all along would make it to the championship. <laughs> the Nets in the... Oh. oh, Michael! Michael knew half. He knew half. Michael knew half. Uh, I I thought highly of the Celtics, but no, I did not pick them to come out of the East. But, no, you had uh, Udoka as the coach. I mean, like, Michael was the closest. You were second. I, I'm not anywhere you didn't near. Get out of the, you didn't get out of the plan. I'm considering no longer having an NBA podcast, actually, after this year, guys. Somewhere Jay Cardi is crying. Somewhere in heaven. He's just way, shaking his head, man. Come on. Come on, Ryan. Keep it going. So, right, you're in good company. Good company. Not many people predict this one coming. So, of course, it is the Golden State Warriors in the West and the Boston Celtics in the East. And before we size up this matchup, let's do a quick recap of the conference finals, starting with the West. The Warriors made it to the finals for the sixth time in the wow. last eight seasons. Man. And the Boy, Curry, Draymond, Clay contingent will be going for their fourth NBA title, and more importantly, their second one without Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Warriors. So the, Warrior, the Warriors made quick work of the Dallas Mavericks, who were just happy to be there and tried to learn all they could along the way uh, to losing 4-1. to one. So thanks again, Phoenix. Thank you, Phoenix, for that. Does, does the Warriors championship, if they win, if they win another one, We'll have an asterisk this time because of Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> nice. nice one. The powerhouse. So, guys, uh, Stephen Curry, of course, won the inaugural Magic Johnson Western Conference Finals MVP award, <laughs> or as Andre Iguodala knows it, a second rate junior varsity award that doesn't come close <laughs> to the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, Jason Tatum won the inaugural Larry Bird Eastern Conference MVP. Uh, Tatum is both the youngest and the oldest to win the East Award. (laughs) That was a little uh, Norm-esque. There you go. (laughs) Check out the special. Uh, (laughs) Under consideration for next season is the semifinals MVP award, which will be called the Dominique Wilkins Award in the East and the Alex English Award in the West. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a reference that dates you my friend I, I know I had to go a little back for that's, that one that was very good <laughs> I almost went James Harden in the west but uh, no, I, I wanted to go uh, 80s um, uh, no word yet about any discussion of a round one MVP much to the disappointment of Joel Embiid who would take <laughs> any MVP he could get these days so. <laughs> Oh, D-Love, you're rolling. Right rolling now. today. We're moving rolling. to the East. Uh, the Celtics uh, last night survived a late rally in Game 7 against the Heat as they started to well, unravel in the last few minutes. 
Uh, the Heat went with the let Marcus Smart try to cook strategy, <laughs> uh, which uh, which worked uh, until he hit the pole ahead free throws, of course, at the end. Uh, the Celtics were responding to this late rally by freezing for a few minutes, uh, pulling a Phoenix Suns game seven versus the Mavs. <laughs> and uh, I think that might include the coaching staff, too. Yudoka was not going for a timeout during that, that stretch, which was quite, quite intense. Uh, the Heat, of course, had a chance to take the lead in the last minute when Jimmy Butler wow. yeah. missed an open pull-up three, which Jeff Van, Gun- uh, Jeff Van Gunny didn't like the shot selection uh, but would have approved if it went in. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> although, 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 important point here, uh, Paul George would have called it a bad shot either way. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's consistent. Yes, yes. Give PG that. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, of course, Boston prevailed. They made it to the finals uh, for the 22nd time in franchise wow. history. So this wraps up the 2022 playoff journey. or Not wrap up, but uh, we, we've well, we've had 14 playoff matches. One more to go, of course. So 14 series, and what, three of them were good, I think? Uh, <laughs> 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 we enjoyed them all. That's a wrap, guys. Quick, quick. <laughs> That's a quick run through. I think we're good. I think we're good, D. This is the shortest pot ever. That was that was perfection right when there. When did the draft again? Man, that's like that's like the monologue that just hits hits hard. That's like Letterman had one of those every other year, I think. So well, you, know, impressive. you know, on the eve of the or pre NBA finals, you gotta, you yeah, gotta bring, you bring the it. heat. Well the yeah, heat did not get brought, but speaking of the heat. <laughs> what what did you guys think about that shot, about Jimmy's shot? I mean, like you, you, you said it right, Van Gundy. <laughs> it's a make or miss league, you know, <laughs> whatever. But what, what did you guys think of that? That was that was really that was amazing. I mean, it was like that was they really were coming. What did you guys think? I was a hundred percent fine with Jimmy taking that shot. Uh, I think Van Gundy's like, oh, that's not the strength of his game. But Jimmy Butler, as uh, Dwayne Wade once said. Wade said, I'm a shot maker. I make shots. So just because that's not the strength of your game, obviously he was bidding, hitting big shots all series long. He was wide open, chance to take the lead. No problem with that shot at all. But I agree. I mean, I, I just think Butler has to take that shot. I mean, he played 48 minutes. You could see him yeah. fading towards the fourth quarter and the second half in general. I mean, whenever he asserted himself, they got good offense. And whenever he didn't, they, they let the Celtics pull back away. And you could tell he was just out of gas. And so to me, there's a calculation there that says, you know, let's take advantage of Boston's conniption fit in the last three minutes of the game. The the, the vintage sort of Marcus Smart, I've got this game. And Butler tried to close it. And, and he missed, and it didn't work out. But I don't think, you know, if you even just did the math, you know, Butler even being a lower than average three point shooter. I mean, I don't think their average would have was was at fifty percent to win in overtime. Like it felt like that was a there was a sixty to seventy percent chance the Celtics were going to win that game in overtime. So at that point, it's even more advantageous to try to close it out immediately. So I just think I I think it's a great shot no matter who it is. Um, but but Butler is kind of in the zone for much of that game, and I don't know if he had much in the tank. So it feels like you got to close it out there. Um, and it's a bummer he missed because it would have made a really fun last like, 15 been, or 20 seconds. I mean, that would have been – yeah, I'm with you guys. I think we're 
completely online. But yeah, if he had hit so, that, that would have been insane. That would have been so amazing. Like to come back because um, they were on like an eleven zero run at that point, right? And then he just he pulled up, and, and people said he always should drive, he could get a foul, et cetera, et cetera. But um, you know, like like he's great at pull ups, but you know, Horford like is. He was pretty gassed too, but he was—he's a rim protector, man. Like I don't—I don't. I don't yeah. It's not like Jimmy would have gotten. I don't know. I think Jimmy would have gotten a blow by. He could have gotten a pull up, probably pretty open, more easily. But yeah, I felt like that. It's just—I love it when you go for the kill shot, man. Yeah. Just take your shot. That was—that was awesome. I hope he does it every time. I think any player in that situation, even if you are like a—you're not a great three-point shooter. It's like his legs are tired, etc. But man. Like if he had hit that, that I mean, that would have been one of the greatest. I mean, if he hits that, and like you're saying, like we still have some, there's still have some time left. It could have been some back and forth. But like if he hits that shot and they win, I mean, it's one of the greatest playoff performances ever. It's one of the worst losses ever, ever, yeah, ever in the NBA. And Jimmy Butler is like, I mean, that's like, I mean, who knows? End of his career, the Hall of Fame, so weird because it's not NBA only. But you're like. That type of, I mean, that type, going to two finals the way he did both of them <laughs> would have been just, I mean, that's like, that's Hall of Fame material right there. And it, it, he, you know, it may still work out for him at some point, but yeah, that, and, was, and that was, could incredible. you imagine the, the flack that Yudoka would have got for not calling a timeout uh, during their run over the, over the last yeah, couple of Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's kind of like what Kid Kid got criticized, I think, in game two with the Warriors, right? Where he just let them. I think it was the Warriors, maybe in the Sun series too, but I think it was with the Warriors where they came back in the second half and he just kind of let it run for a long time. And I wonder if they, like the former players sort of, it's kind of their mentality is like, we're not going to overcoach you. You have to figure it out yourself. But then I feel like sometimes they just feel like they're Phil Jackson and it's like, easy guys, you're not Phil, you're not Phil Jackson. It's okay sometimes to make the call, but I don't know. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I think that's, you know, kid took a victory lap after the Suns' victory. He he basically said, you know, the former coach here. Yeah, he clowned. Would, yeah, yeah. Would, yeah. Would, you know, it'd be a two point run, and they'd call a timeout. And so he took this victory lap, and meanwhile, he was getting boat raced in the conference finals. So <laughs> yeah. it didn't. Uh, it wasn't exactly the best look. But um, you know, the Butler thing, I think, is you know, the, the weirdest thing to me was just the way I think the, re- the that run went. I mean, it just. The Celtics had an answer for every punch the Heat threw in that entire game. I mean, every yeah. time it got to two, four, yeah. six, yep. you know, the Celtics would answer back. And then it got to 13, I think, with about a, the three minutes left. And it just – they literally couldn't put to put put a scoring possession together. You know, and there's a lot of – you know, there's a couple of kind of charges there that were questionable and some obviously some missed shots and stuff. But it's just – it was such a – it's such an interesting testament to – what Jimmy Butler and and the kind of heat culture, as much as we laugh at it, it was able to do. I mean, it, you know, I wasn't around for those late 80s Pistons, but I feel like the way that Isaiah Thomas has mm. talked about, like a guy who was like obviously really good, but also not necessarily in the echelon of the Magics, the Larrys, the MJs of the world, but was able to like take lead that team with the sort of force of persona to two titles you know, Butler hasn't been able to do that, but he was, he was, he was, you know, this, this heat team, it was like incredibly undermanned. I mean, you know, there's a reason we all sort of discounted it and, and, and their outcomes, their probabilities here in the playoffs, just because outside of, you know, 
Jimmy, you know, you have Bam who, you know, half the time is super passive. Um, and then you, you know, there's a whole, then all of a sudden you, there's a whole lot of Max Struess and Victor Oladipo, right? I mean, Lowry's hurt and, you know, Hero wasn't playing. They tried to kind of dust him off there in the first half, which didn't work. You know, so just the way, I mean, I think Jimmy had 18 points in the second quarter. Yeah. And it, and it was literally like their, like their life raft, right? I mean, if that doesn't happen, you they know, get, they're, they're totally, they're, they're in deep trouble. I think the only other thing I read that I thought was fascinating about the Jimmy Butler three was that a third of his three pointers since he's been in Miami, which he's had a kind of a demonstrable shift in terms of his volume of three pointers has, has shrunk substantially since earlier in his career and his previous stops. But the thing, I mean, I'm sure you saw this, Ryan, one of a third of his three point attempts in his career in Miami have been with six seconds or less on the clock. Yeah. So the fact that like his that's, shooting that's percentage yep. is in the mid twenties, he's obviously not that bad of a shooter. I mean, his mid range game, his free throw rate percentage. I mean, all of those things are commensurate with at least a league average or slightly below average three point shooter, but he ends up just not taking threes. And the ones he does take are like, you know, Tyler Hero shipping him the ball with four seconds left on the clock, and he just casts yeah, tough it, shots. Right? It's tough shot after tough shot. So yeah. I think there's another element to this that, to me, justifies Jimmy taking it for a whole lot of reasons, but that that that's one of them that is included. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really incredible to me how Boston did not have an answer for him. Like – and, and they have the best defense in the league. Like they had a, like an elite, like generational defense, and they didn't have someone that fit him. And because you would think it would have been like Jalen Brown or Tatum, but whenever he saw Jalen Brown, when he got switched on to Jalen Brown, it was like give me the bolt and nail, and I'm gonna go to work. Like it was like it was like meat for him, which I think we kind of joked. About, I've joked about with Yudoka when. They were putting Blake Griffin on Jay. Let me kind of the opposite, but like <laughs> maybe that's just kind of his role, but it was sort of surprising to me and they tried to play smart on him. And obviously a lot of Butler's damage was against like the switch on white or other lesser, smaller defensive players, but he was a real problem for them. And again, I just think he was so it, it, it's amazing how the, like at, at this point in the playoffs, the matchups matter so much. Like, they're all like targeting certain players. They're trying to get switches. I mean, if Milwaukee wins that series and Giannis is covering Butler, he like it's like you know games three, four, and five are like his entire series. Like he would have done nothing. He would have nothing. He would have nothing because he just can't do anything against him. Um, and but the Boston does not. It's just it, they don't have like a physical like, and not maybe no one does. Like Jimmy's so special, but it just was interesting that like you would think Jalen or Tatum could like corral him, and they put smart on him, and like it was not, it just wasn't. They weren't able to do it, and I, and I like I'm, yeah, Bam. It's just Bam doesn't seem to be comfortable as a scorer still. Like he doesn't seem to like because he would get one on one opportunities regularly and Boston would just kind of say, okay, do your thing, Grant Williams or Horford. And they're really good defenders. Like it's not easy, but he never seems very comfortable and he kind of wants to like shoot it as fast as possible just to get it over with. It doesn't doesn't (laughs) feel like he really wants to be doing it. Like he wants to be like playing in rhythm and playing in motion and continuity. And when he had ISOs, it's like, 
you kind of want him to go mid post and just kind of turn and face and go one or the other and just try and go up because he would just kind of go to the fade and the pull pull up and it's just not a consistent shot and it, it's it gets a great defense so it's hard but yeah it was just outside of those two it was just the odds yeah. and ends man it seemed like they they really needed a, a healthy tyler hero that obviously he was a, a shell of himself but for the most part it was just it was just those two i mean strauss hit a couple uh big shots so one that was taken away of course uh that was crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the weirdest thing. It was bizarre. Like we yeah. can't figure out the clear path review, but somehow, like the ghost of Christmas past can show up and take three points off the scoreboard three minutes after a three is made. Like it's yeah. a totally insane to me. Like I, I can admire Mark Jones suggesting that it's good to get the call right, but then they watch the replay and it's like, by no means is it actually like conclusive. Clear, like when right. you watch, I mean, maybe there's another view you didn't see. But the fact that they like took that off the board in a review outside of the bounds of normal play. I mean, like Ben Thompson tweeted up the rule book. The rule is actually you can only review something for you can only take points off the board in the context of the three pointers if someone's out of bounds. And you can only look is if it's under the question of whether it's a two, a two or, or a three. Two or a three, and then you get mm. yeah. And then you go, Oh wait, it was the corner was not a two or a three. But it was neither. Was it was out of bounds. But it was yeah. like so wow. visually clear that Struess was it was a three. I have no idea why they even looked in the first place. Like, so know. are are we to expect a uh, Pat Riley official protest uh, against the league? I mean, Spolstra, Spolstra well, was was playing both sides. He's like, look, look, you know, we lost fair and square, but but there's something they got to review this. You know, I mean, if it wasn't for that, we would have won. But but no, Boston credit to Boston. They're they're a great team. I uh, can't but, take anything away from. Them. But come on, I mean, seriously, we got screwed. I love that he called it a case study. It was just like, are we getting our NBA here? Full straw. He's like, this is going to be a great case study for the league this year. It's like, yeah. I mean, to to lose the game, to have that amazing comeback, have Butler take the three and miss it, you lose the game. It's incredible, like, effort. Like, that has got to be the next thing you think about, though, is like, we had three points just taken away magically. You know, it's like, I mean, it's you can never add it up perfectly, but it's right, still like it, it changes the whole complexion the of the game. game right? But it's still it like it was worked. a, it was a, they were, they, you know, they were down two, and you know, they took three away. So it's just like it was, it was big. It wasn't like Boston came down and and, and finished them off. Um, well, and it, it resulted in them oscillating between like six and twelve instead of three and nine. Which yeah, that's a big difference for, for yeah. like the whole the entire like second half, which I think it does matter mentally. I mean, I think. Well, we saw it mattered, right? Because Boston, you know, they they gave it away at the end. They gacked it. So if they had been down six or eight as opposed to ten or eleven, you know, if it was eleven you know, or whatever, how it was. would it have changed? Yeah. And I do. Th- yeah. I mean, and even and I think one of the, I think it was in one of Golden State's big comebacks against Memphis in the second round. They, I think Reggie kept talking about the mental like effort it takes to make a, a large comeback and get within striking distance and just seeing it at single digits feels much more reachable than like something mm. in double digits and wow reggie know. miller with the great point insight you know <laughs> he which is he's really grown on me man i don't yeah, know he's, no. maybe he, I he has much. he has no offense <laughs> wait, to stan wait, wait, van but i'd much rather instead of harlan and reggie like that would have but, been fine with me so but but reggie is such a mixed bag like he'll, he'll have brilliant insight sometimes and then he'll say something like uh Draymond Green may be the MVP of this Golden yeah. State Warriors team. So <laughs> right, right. Oh, no. Back so. Forth, right? It ain't so. Yeah, but he's come better. a long – he has come a long way. I definitely 
I definitely agree. And that's a great point because especially with that team and especially against that defense, because it's like it's one thing to come back against, you know, a team that's more offense first, but a team that's that good defensively that's and they both were really good. But like coming back against one of those teams is like when they're they're grinding every defensive possession and, and, and limiting your chances and your odds on every possession to have a good possession is just yeah, it's just I mean they had to work so hard to score and and they and besides Jimmy and Bam, it was just some yeah, some Struce threes and some Lowry fall downs. And oh yeah, that Lowry was hit a few big shots actually. That was basically all they had, so they were scrambling. I, I really do admire the hustle, but but Kyle Lowry's the worst. Speaking of just speaking such of a we, whiner. Well, we complained about the charge call last week, I think, and and you know more power to the defensive players doing within the rules, but man, he is terrible to watch sometimes. That no, that def- that block it, call. I'm just saying that block call he drew on yeah, Smart. Where he just fell where over. He literally just fell down. No, right. Was awful. I mean, well, I mean, well played, but just awful. Oh yeah, I mean it's it is like the soccer. It's it's like he's like a he's like a striker in the in the Premier League. It's like he the moment he gets contact with the defender, he just goes down automatically every time. Whether he's on offense or defense, yeah, it's, it's just like, like I'm contact go down and just make them make a call. And it's but I will say I don't have a lot of sympathy for Smart considering he, he I mean he he does he's he's really good at the like. It seems like he got machine gunned down and <laughs> fell down, so he just goes flying like it's the end of the world. So smart is uh, he's learned from the best in Lowry. So maybe he he uh, had it had it coming. Um, yeah, I, I, it it was. Speaking of smart though, it, it definitely made me appreciate Draymond more. Just Tatum doing the Curry thing of getting the double team and then giving it up to like the outlet person. And then, you know, smart insistence on like shooting as opposed to trying to like distribute. <laughs> you know, it's like, like you're playing four and three, man, like four or four and three and a half at least. Like, get in there and like move the ball around because there, there's something really that they have there where they can, you know, that's where Jalen Brown's at his best coming off of, you know, the second, second pass. And, uh, yeah, it was, but it was also really weird to me that even on that last possession, I think it was before the Jimmy three, right? Like where Tatum just held it for like a very long time. And then he dribbled up and it didn't even seem like he was double teamed, but he like kind of got a soft double and he immediately passed to smart. <laughs> it was just like, it was like the same thing that happened over and over again. But I just wonder if there's ability for him to still try and beat the double. And then uh, maybe it's the next step in his maturity, like try and beat the double quicker and not try and like suck the time down as far or something because yeah, it was like, Oh my gosh, like what is, what is happening here? And I, and I, and I think that would have been like, maybe Yudoka could do it over again. He would have called a timeout there and just been like, they're doubling. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. against the double. You know, we're gonna have a plan here. Um, Maybe take smart out of the screen. I don't know, but it was like, I mean, if you were this other thing, you lost like that. If you, if you lost like the way they lost game three, and the way they lost game six and to lose that as game seven would have been, would have been the, I'm trying to think of a, I mean, like I'm a Sonics fan from like 94. So that was awful the way they lost to the nuggets, but 
this would have been up there with like one of the worst losses ever. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is like I don't know if this is Blazers game seven, but oh, easy, easy, easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's the lat level, but <laughs> it's up there. The Blazers lottery night a few weeks. It's ago. up there. But, but if you think about it, but it's one thing to. I mean, the Blazers actually lost their lead like midway through the fourth quarter, right? But to actually to yeah. lose it in the last three three minutes, minutes that's that worse. would have been a level of of collapse, a debacle we have not well, seen that I can recall. No, it's worse because the Blazers lost to like the, the dynasty. Like it was the first year of the dynasty, but it was yeah. Kobe and Shaq at the peak yeah. of their powers, yeah. like totally healthy, young, like dominant. Like this was losing to a Miami Tennessee team. Titans. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, yeah, this is like the heat barely holding it together. Um, what, what I'm trying to understand though, like how did Jimmy do what he did in game six and seven and then do what he did in games three and four and five? Is it just he, injury? He got a call from Dwayne Wade. You didn't hear that story? <laughs> I think he got a call. He, he watched inside the NBA the night before. <laughs> My favorite tweet about that phone call was that someone goes, isn't this technically tampering because Dwayne Wade owns a portion the jazz, of the jazz? That's true. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a good point, ma'am. <laughs> I know they wouldn't sign him to the big contract and keep him in Miami the whole time, and they wouldn't give him a little bit of ownership so he could run around with Riley and Mickey Aniston. Yeah, they said we already have Zoe in that role. He's stuck in Salt Lake, um, but I mean, okay, it was it was he was challenged, he stepped up, but I don't think I've ever seen like that before, where like you go from three, four, and five. I mean, was it just he healed? Like he just got better, or he took a like uh, whatever like, they injected into his knee? Did something trick, right? Uh, some like he serious, just could, uh, he could just play zone. through it. Yeah, because it's kind of tough because it, it goes both ways. You're like, wow, the way you know, losing game one and game three and game six, like those were all very winnable games for the um, for the Celtics. But then you're kind of like, man, if like. Jimmy could have given a little bit more in one of those earlier games. Like they could have easily grabbed it too. I mean, it wasn't, it's yeah. just, it's, it's the beauty of sports though. You know, how, yeah, how could a, a hobbling Kirk Gibson really hit a home run like that against yeah, the, that's uh, true. you know, uh, pump is pumping his arm. <laughs> goes around. By the way, we, Mike, I don't know if Michael would have got no, no offense, Michael, you were a little young then, but we, we had a chance to go to that game and that my dad's never lived that up. Let that down was we got offered tickets to go to that game and we couldn't. That's couldn't right. I off. remember that story. Now that I'm a dad, I get it more. I didn't really get it before I had kids, but it's kind of like, uh, I'm a little tired. It's been a long, been a long day. Okay, now we're on the other topic. I just have take to take these brat, take these young brats to the uh, to the baseball. <laughs> I feel like the the it, that was such a historic moment. So I was at like a father son weekend thing with my dad, and we are not baseball fans. But that evening, we chose not to uh, participate in whatever the activity was, and we had we watched the game on a little TV. Are you serious? Yeah, seriously. Oh so my gosh! That the, that game and that moment sticks. Uh, yeah, sticks man. In my memory. So that's it, man. We're we're Oregon Trail generation, man. That's like one of our one of our moments. And, and Michael that, was that born, and the Challenger uh, the Challenger disaster. Oh yeah. gosh! <laughs> Sorry. Uh, are, we, are we losing you, Michael? Or? No, no, maybe you basically no. I, I think the Boston loss to me that the most underrated component of it is the fact that this is a team that is supposed to have been arriving for the last five years, and they arrived they arrived really early, right? That 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 they had that IT year where they went to the conference finals and they lost to LeBron at the peak of his kind of second wave of powers, right? They had the, the next year, they did it again. 
and then the Kyrie stuff all sort of blew up. And then they, even in the bubble, they lost to the Heat. And and it felt like, you know, obviously it was sort of like, what do you do with the Jays and you break them up? And there was all of this discussion and even going, you know, being as bad as they were earlier this year. It felt like this was the year they they had arrived. And this was the year they were actually supposed to win, right? Especially those Cavs, those two Cavs years. It was sort of just they were nice to be there. And the fact that, like, they almost blew this one. It's sort of yeah, wild to me. Crazy. It would have been. It would have been really the first one where you really go, man. We let that get away in a, in a substantial way that you know doesn't feel like you know you feel, feel like you gave something away versus the other ones were kind of found money. So that that would be that. That was the biggest thing to me in terms of uh, how this loss would have would have translated, right? I mean, you have really bad losses, end of game losses. I mean, you have the Ray Allen game in 13 in that stadium. I mean, it was wild and guys, there was fans oh, of the yeah. heat walking up the aisle that you could see them in the back of the picture. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, this circumstance, like <laughs> we're running this back. Are we really, oh, but man, it, uh, it, it's, it, it should make for fun. I, I am glad Boston won ultimately. Cause I do think I make, it's going to make for a much better finals matchup. Yeah. Uh, the way it's going to translate. So I think the heat the, there's enough, there's enough juice in golden state that the heat wouldn't have been able to play a lot of their games to sort of throw the junk drawer at, at Boston or at golden state, the way they did at Boston. Um, whereas Boston has the, the depth and the breadth from a defensive standpoint to truly make the life challenging for, um, for, for golden state. So, uh, I'm glad the way it turned out, but man, it was sure, sure ended up being a fun kind of conference finals, despite being a little sloggy <laughs> here at times, I mean, especially early in the in the series. The last two games were awesome. So I have to pose one more what if. Now, if, if the Celtics would have lost, would Brad Stevens have fired Udoka and take, <laughs> taken back over the coaching reins? <laughs> well, if they if they won the lot, if they got the first pick in the draft, then definitely he would <laughs> he would pull a Popovich. Uh, I thought you were gonna or, say if they traded for Shaq. Yeah, SVG. Yeah, that's true. Full O'Reilly, come down, come down from the luxury box. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's. I agree with Michael. I think it'll be a really interesting finals. I, again, I think Tatum and Brown are gonna be really happy and smart and be really happy to say goodbye to Jimmy. It's sort of like they were happy to say goodbye to Durant, that, even though they handled him pretty well. They're happy to say goodbye to Giannis, and they're happy to say goodbye to, to Jimmy. I have to, have to deal with Curry. Yeah, I Curry. do think the Rob Williams thing, though, is like is a tough is a tough situation for them. And I, again, Michael, I'll give you a lot of credit for calling that out from the beginning. Was that it's a really weird injury, and I don't feel like it's been talked about, at least in like NBA Twitter, is not like sort of pulled out that. Like he has an injury in the same family of injuries as Wiseman, as Jaron Jackson. Like it's not like we don't know the, the specific details. We don't have the X-rays next to each other in terms of what he's done with it. But like we do know there's two paths to deal with this type of injury, and he chose the like come back immediately path. And like this is probably what goes along with that is that you're not going to be fully a hundred percent. And they were obviously able to work with that and deal with that against Miami. But I do think like. I, mean, I think a huge advantage for them would be if, you know, he's playing full speed. Like, there's nothing like Looney and Draymond. Like, he's he's just going to, like, that would be huge for them to have in the series. So, yeah, I'm just curious what you guys think in terms of the matchup, kind of, you know, what you're looking for. And uh, I guess we'll eventually have predictions of what you think is going to happen. 
I just think the Rob Williams piece is huge. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. That he had a closeout on the on a corner shooter. I forget who it was. If it was PJ Tucker or someone else, but he had a closeout where he looked like pre superstar Looney. Like it was like he couldn't move. Oh wait, like, sorry. I think pre superstar. Like I got confused wait, is there, there. Is there an event of the body? <laughs> I was going back here? and forth. There's a little whiplash there. <laughs> Is there? Is, I think That's they think they traded athleticism because it is like he closed out and and it was PJ Tucker I think had a blow by and Rob Williams like it looks like he was shot in the knee like he just couldn't move yeah it's really and, and he kind of stumbled and you're kind of like man there's something laterally really going on there and for a guy like him who defends in space who protects the rim who catches lobs like those lateral movements in, in this tight space in the paint is what makes him him. And, and, yeah, it's and a huge loss against the Warriors if he's I, I mean, I just limited. wonder, like, yeah. he becomes not playable if if he's not something resembling 80, 90, 100% of himself. And it really doesn't seem like he is. And, and I think you're right. The injury's wild. It's not really being talked about in a way. It's sort of being talked about like it's just a sore knee, like it was Morant's thing. But again, it's, Simmons keeps hitting, kind of alluding to like, oh, he's soft. It's basically what like the subtext of what Simmons has been saying about him is he's soft and he's not like, like why isn't he back? He should be back. This is the playoffs, be a warrior type thing. And it's like, I don't think this injury is like that. It's yeah. honestly not like that at all. Thanks exactly. to doc, Dr. Doctor Michael here. So, producer well, Michael, Dr. Michael. And, and it's been interesting <laughs> Dr. Hearing, hearing talk about it because I think I, I think his capability set does really neutralize the sort of Draymond Looney, yeah. you, you know, five-man and the, pick and pop And thing. the pool party. And the pool party, man. But, it was but the be... problem is, is when he's not himself, it actually unlocks all that stuff. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the thing. Right, if he can't move, you really got to play Williams and Horford. Grant Williams he, and Horford. He's either going to yeah. sag in the in the paint, and then you have the like all of the handoff stuff that kills people, yeah. or he's going to try to get out there and he's going to get burned playing yeah. four on three. No, it's really it's really and, sucks because he, he this is like the series that'll matter the most actually. Like it's really that's a tough thing. They're the only team that can put pressure on him because so. if he if he was like full hundred percent, like this is like completely terrifying for the Warriors' offense. You know, that's even before you get to them guarding, trying to guard the Celtics. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I mean, it, it's like post-John it, Memphis. It, it, it is the per, it's the per, yes, it's the perfect, it's the perfect defense for the Warriors. And I don't think they have a real, they don't have a real answer for it. Because even if they, they decide to go with Poole, it's like defensively, like you even saw, I mean, it was interesting to see White, like, he, I think a big thing that helped them late in that series was that White, like they finally got White to understand that if you get Struess on you, you should be going hard at him every, like, mm-hmm. like everyone went after Struess. So it's <laughs> like, like, and I and I think that the great part for White is there's no, like, he's going to be able to play all the time because there's there's no one that they can like, he's not going to be hunted at all. Like he's going to be like actually super helpful for them trying to stay with Pool and Steph and Clay on the perimeter. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. I, mean, I guess Wiggins will guard Tatum, um, and you know Wiggins play well against Doncic. We'll see what he can do there. I just I I just I, I feel like Boston will be the team that sort of like emphasizes that like Clay can be taken advantage of defensively in like a significant way, and they actually have someone that can do it because he's going to be guarding Jalen, and yeah. like Jalen has his his uh, limitations, but like. He can be swooping to the rim, man. I don't know if 
<laughs> I don't know if Clay can stay in front of him enough to make him dribble. Because if you can make him dribble side to side, then that's a win for Clay, the defense. <laughs> Clay might get burned and still have four steals a game. That's true. Yes. And by the way, it's great performance in Game Seven for for Brown. I know at the end he had a couple of those uh, drive, and they're going to strip the ball from you moments. But but uh, big game for him. I don't know if you guys saw this. There's a cool video out. Um, Brown went to the finals in 2016, which would have been Warriors, Cavs, and was like they let him onto the court. I think what year is Brown in? Is that he, it was his, this was when he was in college? Or no, it was, was the it was, it was like two weeks before he got drafted. It was right before the drafts. Thank you. So he like he met Iguodala and stuff, and he was like, "Oh, this is my dream to to get here, get to the NBA finals." Wow. And now he's uh, he got his wish and he's center stage. So it's a, the nice pride of Cal Berkeley, player. man. The pride yeah. of Cal, <laughs> locally from Atlanta, but we'll claim him for the Bay. Um, and he made his free throws in Game Seven too. He's been a little inconsistent. Uh, I mean, he's incre- I mean, he's incredible. Throw. I just think I was just surprised with him. We also the dribble. I was just surprised defensively that he is. He's definitely much more like him and Derek White like are made for guarding like the warriors like like if anyone is i mean obviously you have smart who can do both you can have i mean tatum is too like you saw tatum guarding lowry part maybe trying to save him on defense but like he can guard i mean lowry's not driving past anyone but like he definitely like can kind of do they he, they both remind me a little bit of older like old clay where it was like they were tall wing guys but they can guard guards because they're so quick and like smart defensively, um, so yeah. I mean, Rob Williams is the one hole. Otherwise, because um, obviously they lose him, they lose the rim protection too. Um, but I mean, it seems like the Warriors are going to do the same thing they're going to do, right? And Celtics are going to do what they can do, and it's going to just be like, what is it you always say, Michael? Fights where styles make fights. Style make fights. <laughs> yeah, and I think this is a fun one. I mean, I honestly do think it's funny you hit on Clay. I mean, this. It feels like so much of the series is going to hinge on his performance on both ends of the floor. And and I think we've seen glimpses. Obviously, he's he has been a bit of a turnstile at times. And I'm curious if he's getting more and more of a sea legs. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, he really only came back in, you know, late January. So it's really only been six months of or five months of real active playing. You know, I, you know, maybe. And I think this is the hopeful part of me is that because Clay is just so loved outside of the over the ear headband um you know i think getting him back in into more even you know 80 90 percent of his, of his peak of his powers would be so fun for the series because again offensively he's the he's the guard who can really take advantage of some of the mighty mites you know I that's true he, that's a good can, point yep he he can get to that mid-range thing which in you know most of the games in these playoffs and especially the first half that hasn't gotten rolling for him and then he's had these moments where he shoots 65 percent in the game and he hits them all right away yeah and all of a sudden you're, like, you're right oh, wait. If, if white gets on him or pritchard or pritchard gets on time. him it's yeah. like he just goes right to the post or he goes right to that fade away mid-range you're right so, that's a good point and, and I think defensively, you're right. He's going to have to guard Jalen. And if he gets Jalen moving, he's a smart enough defender that I think he can do some stuff. But, you know, it is. Um, it, but Jalen put, puts his head down and goes to the rim, Clay's toast. I mean, it's just not going to like. So th- and that, that's going to be a pivot point, I think, in the entire series. So now the, the nice thing is if you throw a double at Jalen, if you're from a Warriors perspective, if you throw a double at Jalen as he drives, you know, there's 
Yeah, Draymond could do that, right? I mean, that's your hope is that Draymond. You start forcing turnovers because Jalen Brown right. basically is a straight line driver at this point. Yes. Now, Jalen Brown's amazing because he's gotten better at every single skill in his like repertoire. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a guy who's like his dribbling like, is still much better. Hit, no, but his dribbling is still much better than it oh, was it's way summer better. League. Mm. Like a few weeks after he was talking to Iguodala, we saw him in Vegas, and it was like. Did they? Why did they pick this guy? Like, how is this? He work? fumbled three breakaways out of bounds, like yeah. in summer league. Yeah, he would get like a steal and like have it wide open dunk, and it would like go off his foot. It and was like guy, we, we were like not this. Dribble. I mean, that was my worst prediction. I've said it on the pod. That was my worst prediction coming out of that experience of watching people. Was like I was like Jalen Brown is trouble. This is this is not going to work. This guy has no ball skills, and he's got to this point. It's impressive, and that I think he's going to get to that pull up too. That's the thing is if he just takes a couple dribbles and just goes to that pull up, it's like there's no one out over there that can get it, get him on it. And you I watch it the way he shoots threes. I mean, he's gotten so much better just yeah. that skill. He catches the ball and just just casts. Yeah, and I, I just feel like there's just, but that's yeah, right. That's their hope is that Wiggins on Tatum, Clay's on Jalen, Draymond's playing center field, and and he's like the Earl Thomas, and he's like, you know, looking to make plays over the middle. And I guess he's coming off of either Rob Williams or Horford or Grant Williams and kind of like letting them, you know, and, that, and that's one thing I realized like watching the last couple, I, I made the point a few times recently on the pod in the playoffs is that I think it's really important that it helps that when your best defensive player can like really focus on the other team's best offensive player and kind of try and take them out of it. And like, not waste energy on the other side of the court. Like, it's just kind of like the fact that Tucker could just, I mean, he sort of petered out in the last game, but where he could just focus on Tatum and, like, try and take him out of the game, that helps him. But I realize with Draymond, it's different because he's actually his best when he can, like, he could freelance and, like, you know, kind of middle linebacker at or free safety at kind of get everyone going where they need to go. So I I think that does that does work. Um, and I, and I, and I really don't like this, like, oh, Marcus, maybe I just had like, you know, again, Bill Simmons kind of in my mind, but like the whole, like Marcus Smart's played so Steph so great over the years. Like, I don't know. Let's, let's see how that goes. (laughs) Let's see. Let's see how that goes. Cause I realized watching Tatum and that, you know, like at the end of the game, that's what Steph has done his whole life. And in some ways that's some of the criticism of him is that he plays the right way. Like he always makes that pass out of the double team and gets them four and three opportunities. And it kind of – he might get a hockey assist, but it makes Draymond look good. It doesn't make Steph look good doing that. <laughs> you know, it's like – Well, and, and he's learned how to move in such a way that he gets the rock back, right? Yeah, I mean, that's he, true. He'll, he'll throw that, and then he'll go relocate, whether it's a swing around the, the backside of the play to the weak side, or if he, if he replaces Draymond behind him. But one way or the other, he often will get the rock back and either attack off of that or catch and shoot which Draymond has tailor-made his own responses to the four-on-three action to yeah. making sure that that's a viable option for him, right? I mean, he catches that's that and point. kind of skitters it back to, to Steph all the time, which, you know, Tatum makes that pass and then stands there, right? I mean, that's that's the that's the limitation yeah. there. I was like, you're like, oh, great, Marcus Smart's in, like, get some mode, which is, you know, and maybe the best place you want to be as a defense. <laughs> no, it's like, it's like how weird it is that Tatum is, like, he was first-team All-NBA, and like Marcus Smart, who won the Defensive Player of the Year award, but is not a great offensive player, was like the one like trying to like win the game at the end. Like it's like they, they, the dynamic is still a little off there. Um, I do think Wiggins will have more problems with Tatum than with Doncic, 
Like I think Doncic is the stronger offensive player, but I feel like I don't really buy the whole oh Doncic can only play one way and other guys can play different ways and you know I think Doncic had good players around him like he could play more within a flow and system <laughs> and it's just like his offensive team kind of sucks um, or is very limited um, but I think the fact that Tatum will have the ball in his hands will play off the ball it'll be harder for Wiggins just to kind of like focus I think Tatum will be able to get off more on Wiggins. Um, even though Doncic did too, I just feel like it'll, it'll be a different dynamic. Um, but what do you guys think? I mean, you guys. I, mean, I guess before I ask your predictions, like it is crazy though that like not only did Durant leave the Warriors and now they're in the finals, it's like Kyrie left the Celtics and now they're in the finals too, and they're like back home together trying to figure out if Kyrie's going to leave and if Durant's going to leave and what drama's going to go down. Um, I guess good riddance to everybody, but. Yeah, who, who do you guys like in the uh, in the finals? Well, first I would have to say I, I am very glad, again, that it is not a Miami Heat versus Warriors finals. <laughs> I, I think that maybe would have also gone five games. Um, like, uh, and due respect to the Heat because uh, they, I mean, they, they maximize their potential uh, like better than any team could. Um, but I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a really good series. I think it's going to go six or seven i heard someone say you know you know the old cliche defensive win championship so we're talking about a high caliber defensive team versus of course a high-powered offensive team i I don't think that quite fits here because for me the warriors uh potent offense is is just on such a high level that i think the these periods of when they just are so explosive and they go on these runs um, even against a good defense. I, I just think that's going to be uh, too much for the Celtics to handle. So I'll be pulling for Boston. Um, but if I had to bet on it, I, I would take, I would take the Warriors. I'll say Warriors in seven. I do think that home for that home court advantage really does matter here. Yeah. It's oddly like it allows them the energy that, Golden State can play with when they're at Chase is is something that really does lend itself well to Golden State's style and, and their ability to push. And and as much as Boston has a lot of ammunition to throw at Golden State in terms of how they can defend them and also how they can put pressure on them offensively, I just I can't not go with Golden State here. I just I think Boston the last three minutes of anything kind of spooked me to the point of like. <laughs> I, these guys just can't like they just lose their mind. They they just lose their mind, and there's way too much Marcus Smarting going on. It's like if Draymond in the last four minutes of every Warriors game was like, Steph, I got this, and it's like instead like actually Steph gets the they they go like ultra efficiency in the end of games, whereas Boston seems to go the other direction. There's just so much spark of smart. It just it makes me you know again he has a lot of benefits. You don't want to throw him under the bus necessarily. He's a great defender, whatever he. You know, obviously has a lot of persona that that I think is intrinsic to their fiber and allows them to to be who they are fully. But I just I I find myself leading Golden State, and um, I I guess I'll join Derek on the seven seven game brigade uh, because I do think Boston's going to pull some out. I don't think Golden State necessarily is going to be consistent enough. I I do actually think one of the bigger things I was reading about today is the fact that both. Iguodala, GP2, and 
Otto Porter are all projected to most likely play in game one. Oh. Wow. That's right. They've had like a week and a half to rest, right? Uh, no. I'll believe it when I see it with Iguodala, okay? <laughs> no, I- Iguodala made hey, the his stage, it's hard to come. He's been playing he 36 holes a day for months, so I think he's been fine the whole time. <laughs> he, he was making fun of Steph's uh, conference finals MVP and was like, I'm back for my, my second MVP. <laughs> I'm going to get the real real deal I, back. Yeah. It's, it's in Iguodala's DNA to uh, uh, perform well on the big stage or at least uh, – Perform well enough where he can then convince the voters to uh, to choose him as the as the finals MVP. But one more prediction along those lines, I will say again: Warriors in seven. Curry will have a great series, but they'll give the MVP to Jason Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> First since Jerry West. I, mean. I don't. There was LeBron was like close to a couple of years, I think maybe to or was given consideration as a finals MVP. No, it was the year Iguodala won. Your Iguodala yeah, yeah, one. Yeah. Like I was reading about that recently because I think it was like there were some Curries and some Iguodalas and then some LeBrons. And then basically the Iguodala and Curry voters like combined to pick Iguodala. Mm-hmm. That's how it happened. And, and one guy, Tim Bontes, picked Jimmy in the in the Eastern Conference for the bird first bird finals MVP, which mm-hmm. I mean, it was a little weird because his his overall averages were like at or less than Tatum's because <laughs> those three games were so bad that he Sort of played half a game in one and did everything. Um, and the e- the Iguodala voters were uh, mother and father and uh, <laughs> siblings as well. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's so. Yeah, it was that's that was really bad. Um, so yeah, I, I think for me, um, I think the the biggest there's kind of two countervailing things for me. One is I just I mean Steph is so amazing that. I just I feel like the your guys' bet on the Warriors like makes sense because Steph is so like he's so good and I just feel like he's completely underrated still. Like I just feel like the fact that even that he he was he was hurt and he struggled at times this year, but like he is just he's incredible and I feel like having him is such like an ace is the ace of the hole for the whole series. Um, at the same time, I I I do feel like well Boston. You know, the Nets were a mess and didn't have Middleton and, you know, Miami was broken down when they played them. So I don't think it's like they played a murderer's row and um, the Warriors, you know, didn't or something. But I do think, like, they played people who, like, can bring the force. Like, they bring they bring it to you and... um. The only team that bought that Golden State has played like that was Memphis, and they didn't have Jaw for most of the series or a chunk of the series. And Boston played, you know, at least two teams like that that just like with Giannis and then with the Heat that just like come at you. And so Boston's going to come at Golden State in a way I don't think they've experienced before. And so um, it'll be really fascinating. I think it'll be fascinating to see. Like I think Game One. Golden State's gonna be rested. Like I think they have a really good chance of winning. And by the way, like I haven't been to a game yet as I moved here, but everyone compares like the Chase, the current arena, to like to Oracle and Oakland, and like how it's never as good as that. But it's like it's still good. Like that was special. Like it's like it was like Memorial Coliseum or the Rose Garden. Like the Memorial yeah. Coliseum was like special. Like it, it had, like people had experienced things in there. It was like. You know, 
the original Boston Garden to TD Garden or whatever. It's like it's just different, and it's not going to be. But you still have that core like fans, and I to, I think Michael, you're making the point. I, I feel like they can really like, you know, benefit from that, get oxygen from that. Um, but I just I feel like the force that they're going to get both offensive and defensively, especially when they played the Nuggets and the Mavericks, and were really limited, and really you were able to like schematically attack them defensively i just feel like offensively they're not gonna be able to get away with that stuff and i feel like again pool and clay and steph are gonna have trouble like defending um marcus smart <laughs> well the <laughs> the physicality of like the, their perimeter players like I, I just feel like they're gonna be able to like kind of take it to them in a way that like memphis did but didn't have the skill or didn't have the depth to really do it so all that to say, I'm picking Boston. Um, oh, nice, whoa. nice, good. We need a country. I really want to. Boston I, in four. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really just torn between seven or six, and I'm going to go with Boston in six. Oh, um, nice. More, more than likely, if they have a chance, they'll lose game six at home and, <laughs> and, and then lose seven. <laughs> Boston, <laughs> Boston is not comfortable with a lead. So. Yeah. yeah. But I think just for me, it's like – the scariest part is just Steph because I, I just like like Michael you were saying I I think um like even with the goal even with Boston's ability to switch on the perimeter even without Williams they can still switch so easily on the perimeter it's just like Steph is just he can go through anybody and do anything so um it'll and be that's, fun to see I, I think it's uh, just an important point about Steph because I do feel he is going to be the best player uh, in that series. And I, I just, I still worry a little bit about the occasional disappearing act that we can get from Tatum or, or oh, Brown. You no know? Tatum. And I mean, it's crazy. It's, he's first team. Oh, go ahead. He's first team. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, and Curry can have, you know, he can have the occasional bad game, but no. I feel like it's, it's less likely that that happens. Uh, no, the thing about Steph is like, he's at the level like watching him play, it's like he, you're totally right. Like Tatum disappears at times. Like even at the end of that game, I mean, again, he was getting doubled. He distributed the ball like he should have done. Like, but he's just not. He hasn't had the reps or whatever. Like Michael, you were saying about like Draymond and Steph have been. They know exactly what to do. I mean, you saw it against Dallas. Like they knew exactly what to do in these situations and how to get what they wanted to get. And I feel like Boston's not there yet. And I feel like with Steph, um. Like he has bad quarters or bad halves, but he always has. It's like kind of like every NBA team has a run in them, you know, come back in a game. Like Steph always has a run in him. He always has a quarter where he's going to be cooking and doing stuff. And again, like people are like, oh, he doesn't shoot like he used to. It's like everyone knows what he does now. There's no secret. Like when he started doing this stuff back in like 2014, 2015, it was like, I'm, we watched those games. And even though knowing Steph from college and knowing Steph, even from his injury-prone early years, it was like, what? This is insane what he's doing. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, Steph is like – it is like you, – you read the coverage here and you read some of the books and background. Even Marcus Thompson was on Zach Lowe's podcast. You know, he's a great columnist for The Athletic, and he's been covering the Warriors for a very long time. And it's like – it is definitely like, you know, a prophet has no honor in his hometown. I mean, it is exactly what's going on with Steph. It's like they all saw him in like 09 when he was hurt, 2010 when they almost traded him and Clay for Chris Paul, like 
when they couldn't decide if it was like Monte Ellis. Like they all look at him at that point. He's still like 12 years old to them basically. And like, they can't like lose. They can't like, it's kind of like, is not you know, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm trying to compare him to Jesus Christ, not anything, but I'm just like, he's, <laughs> especially no, but, if you're a Nazarene, that's no, yeah, it, but no, but it's like, isn't he the carpenter? Is he, isn't he the son of a carpenter? Like, it's kind of like, I do feel like there's a little bit of that, like the NBA version of that with Steph where it's like, Oh well, yeah, he was tiny and he, he kind of sucked his first couple. He didn't suck, but he was like, okay, he's never dominant. Like he just like came out of nowhere. Cause even like when, when Thompson was talking about who wrote a book about Steph, I think with Steph's, some cooperation it was just like it's always like the neg kind of it's just like he's like well no one will ever be able to take away from him that he came from the farthest away to be an nba great nba player you're like he was always good i mean he just had injury problems i don't know it's just well some warriors fans do think do think the prophecy of isaiah does apply to steph curry so you may not be yeah no i don't want to go there no but i just it just like hit me when i was because living here and hearing the radio and it's just I don't know. It's just different from like other places where you have great players. I feel like they're just not, it's just a different, it just looked at, he just looked at differently. Um, and he's incredible. And I hope, I, I hope, I hope like, just like I hope Monty Williams and Chris Paul would make a run and win it. I hope Steph wins it, wins MVP for the finals. That would be great. I mean, to be fair, Ryan, I think what's fascinating is, is, is not only does that exist in San Francisco and the Bay area, but he's also in a different way perceived that way league wide. I mean, he's, he sort of has this element that almost something that's kind of reserved for these international players, whether it's Jokic yes, yes. or Doncic or Giannis, that's sort of like they don't get the kudos from the from the, the peer group. The peer group, hundred percent. That like is reserved for like Kyrie and KD, like the you know, yes. the players' choices that are like at home in the first round. Um like Steph is sort of in that first group, and it's really weird, right? Because it's you know whether whether it's the way he plays or looks or acts or you know that he's he, he's not physically imposing like LeBron is or whatever it is. I mean, he he doesn't really get the he he hasn't traditionally. Obviously, it's not to the same extent. I mean, he's he's well considered, but you know he's just not uh, he's not quintessential in that way. And so I think as a result, he sort of gets treated differently in the, the macro scale of the league too. And so I'm curious if they're able to come full circle. If some of yeah, that if he wins it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect it. I, I, you're totally right. That's a great comparison. He is like thought of like a European player. It's like he gets the kind of the Nowitzki mm-hmm. treatment a little bit. And Nowitzki got away from it because he beat the, the Heatles, you know, and he did it single-handedly. And I think all the stuff with Durant coming over and just kind of like I mean, that first one was like, it was like a lightning strike when they won, you know, in 2016 or whatever it was, you know, 2015. Well, 15, and, and Kyrie and Love had gotten hurt in those finals. Like, yeah. It almost felt yeah. like a blip. Yeah, it was like, oh, my, where did these guys come from? This is crazy because um, it was so unexpected, you know, relative to them losing the first round the year before. But I really I really like that. I like that it's kind of like when we talk about Jokic or Don. It's kind of like it's in that, like, oh, this guy's kind of different. And it also does remind me in terms of the peer group, kind of like you know his closest comp probably is Duncan in terms of like you know I think again like I think Simmons and Rosilla were talking about like collaborative superstars like like and talking about Steph and like Duncan's the greatest example of that other than Steph probably where he like started out playing power forward next to Robinson Robinson leaves like he's like the dominant like 
he becomes before obviously the most dominant one of the top players in the league. He's post up. He's just totally dominant. And then the latter part of his career, he's kind of like old Kareem, where he's playing great defense and like, you know, getting taken out at key rebounding moments by his coach, uh, but just you know doing like incredible stuff. And I feel like Duncan's also disrespected relative to like his peers. Like I don't think I don't think the players think of Duncan like Kobe. You know, it's like there's you kind of you you know. I think it was like Steven Jackson on his podcast or Bart. They were talking about like, oh, Kobe's All definitely guys, yeah. Kobe's definitely better than Duncan. Like it's not even close. And it's like, ah, I don't, yeah. I mean, Kobe was great too, but it's, it's like, it's I don't think that's a conversation. <laughs> at the very least, it's very close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but if if uh, Curry wins MVP, Warriors win the title, then uh, Michael Jordan will say, will concede that uh, Steph Curry is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> Although he did, he gave him some more, uh, gave him some more respect recently. No, that's why I hope they he must, wins. They though. must have bonded at the Ryder Cup when they were together. Yeah, I mean, I've, oh. I've, I've, I've liked Boston. I've like, I, 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 part of me pulls for them. Like, you know, I'm, I'm an NBA free agent, but I, I, I would just love Steph to win just to have everyone just shut up because he's like he's incredible and it's like he's completely underrated. I, I agree. How great would it be though if whoever is presenting the finals MVP award. And I assume Iguodala probably won't even play in the finals, but when they do, it's like, everyone's expected to give it to Curry and, he, and they pull the Andre Iguodala uh, wins for the second time. Yeah, they do the, the really tired. I don't know if you ever saw it, like the tired thing at like a, it's usually when people get married kind of young, but they do the, like the, the groomsmen come up with the joke of like, Oh, where's the ring? And they kind of go all the way down the line. Oh, right, if you yeah, ever yeah. seen, I think I saw yes, that yes, once. Yes, it's yes, kind of, yes. come on guys. But it's like, Oh, it's Iguodala. No, no, it's Looney for MVP. Oh, wait, no, it's Wiggins for MVP. <laughs> no, it's Draymond. He's the Where's best Where's Damian Lee? He's the most important player. It's it's Seth Curry. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, it'll be fun. I mean, I'm excited to see it. I, I you know, I love Curry. He's he's the best, so hopefully yeah, they can do it. I mean, I, I don't really love, you know, I Kerr and kind of the light years and all of them getting it, not as much, but he's starting to win you over a little bit. Curry's the oh, best. He's full yeah. circle. <laughs> the real question, Rye, is, is is getting Curry his own title after everything that happened and the respect he deserves worth it. If we means we have to listen to Draymond talk about his fourth title on inside the NBA for the next fifteen years. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Point. There are trade offs in life. As you get get older you realize there are because Draymond's gonna sit on that set and he's gonna group himself with with Shaq and Barkley much more than he groups himself with Kenny the Jack. <laughs> That's right. He yeah, a couple of years ago when he started prepping for that spot, it was the Kenny spot. Now he's coming for, for Shaq. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Um, I on another topic. I don't know if you guys it uh, again. Like Simmons and Rosilla had a podcast just yesterday. It came out last night. You probably haven't listened to it if you if you even listen to them anymore. But they went through Con- they went through the Tim Connolly discussion. They did twenty minutes on <laughs> Connolly. <laughs> I actually did listen to the first twenty minutes of that. Yeah, but I, I didn't get to that. Yeah, no, it was pretty funny. It's pretty clear Ryan Rosillo has a personal relationship with Tim Connolly because he was <laughs> he was definitely defending him oh, pretty no. strongly. Oh, Simmons no. was the skeptic, and they didn't even get into like the real like they're like, well, that was they got Nurkic, that was pretty great. It's like, no, no like let's, no. Let's, come on, guys, overpaying. Come this on, is, you guys are late to the late supposed to, the story. to be the VP of common sense. Uh, I just love too uh, like Michael's point that like he's just gonna resign all of his own players. <laughs> like it's just gonna be. You know, <laughs> 
overpay them. So it made me, well, made me laugh. All right, guys. So we are three days away from game one of the NBA Finals. And uh, our apologies to Portland native Ime Udoka. Uh, he didn't like us questioning whether he should have called a timeout at the end of uh, game seven. So uh, he walked off. He's, he's got more important things to do right now. <laughs> That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the 3 and D Love NBA podcast. We'll be back next time. But until then, remember, throw it down, big man. This isn't just a great podcast. It's a triumph of the human spirit.